Then Allah says, وَقَالَ الطَّائِفَةٌ And a group, من أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ From the people of the book, they said, آمِنُوا Believe, meaning they said to each other, that believe in what? بِالَّذِي In that which, أُنزِلَ It was sent down, عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا On those people who have believed. What is it that was sent down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on those people who have believed in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Meaning what scripture are they given? What scripture have we been given? The Qur'an. So they would say that believe in the Qur'an, meaning go and accept Islam, when? Wajhan nahar. At the beginning of the day. Waj is face. Okay? Waj is face. When you want to recognize someone, what do you see first? Their face. Okay? So it's like the beginning. Wajhan nahar refers to the beginning of the day. As the day appears. As the day comes. So, in the early morning, go to the Prophet ﷺ and say, you want to accept Islam. You want to believe in the Qur'an. And then the whole day, you stay with the Muslims, you go to the masjid, you pray with them, you do what they're doing, and you say, yes, I'm a Muslim, so happy, whatever. And then, wakfuru, and then go and disbelieve, akhirahu, at the end of the day. At Isha time, go and say, I'm sorry, I'm not too comfortable with Islam. I think I want to change my mind. Wakfuru akhirahu. Go and disbelieve at the end of the day. Why? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that the rest of the people will also return. Meaning the rest of the people will also follow your footsteps and leave Islam. Now this was another makr, another plot that they played. First was through their words by mixing the truth with the falsehood. And now through actions that they were trying to misguide Muslims. And what was this plot? What was this trick? That believe and then apostate. Accept Islam, and this is only pretend conversion, not real actual conversion, just pretend. And then at the end of the day, leave Islam. Why? Because the people will think that the Ahlul Kitab know better. The Ahlul Kitab know better. I mean, they have knowledge of the Torah and the Injil, and they know about the signs of the Prophet ﷺ. And if they come to Islam, if they accept it, and then they find out about some things, or they feel that some actions or some practices are not right, then they change their mind, then there has to be some problem with Islam. So then, the common people, those who are weak-minded, they will follow your footsteps, and they will also leave Islam. And that's exactly what you want them to do. Right? You want them to leave Islam. So they said, mislead people in this way. Does it ever happen that you find out that somebody was buying meat from one store and then they stopped buying meat from that store? And then you're like, um, they don't buy it anymore from there, so I'm not going to buy it from there either. Somebody used to go you know, to a particular gym and then they stopped going, they changed the gym and you're like, okay, I'm not going to go there again either. There must be something. Somebody sent their kid to a particular school and then they pulled them out and you're like, see, they pulled their kid out. I'm not sending my kid to that school. There must be something fishy. There must be something wrong that I don't know, but they got to know. And since they're smarter than me, I'm going to do what they did too. Because most of the people, what mentality do they have? Sheep mentality. Follow others. Somebody sending their kid to school, you send your kid to school. Somebody is homeschooling, we also homeschool. Somebody is doing a course, we also do the course. Somebody leaves the course, we also leave it. Somebody is wearing hijab, we do it. Somebody leaves it, we leave it. 
Somebody is cooking meat today, we will also cook meat. Right? Most of the people, majority of the people, what do they do? They just follow others. They just follow the trends that have been set by others. So, when the majority of the people are like this, they will follow your footsteps. They will say, oh, they accepted Islam and then they left it. So this way you will manage to lead many people astray. But were they successful in this? Were they successful in this? No, they were not. It is said that three individuals from among the Jews, Abdullah ibn Zayf, Adi ibn Zayd, and Harith bin Auf, they decided to do this. So they went, accepted Islam, and at the end of the day, they renounced their faith. But nobody followed them. Why? Because guidance is given to a person by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when a person has iman, when a person has true faith, then it is like the date palm tree. In the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the example of the believer. right? Of the true believer, the, the firm believer, the example of iman, is like that of shajaratin tayyibah, asluha thabitun. The good tree, meaning the date palm tree, whose root is firm. Asluha thabitun. Whose root is firmly fixed. Hiraqul, one of the Roman kings to whom the Prophet ﷺ sent a letter to, inviting him to Islam. When he found out that a group of Arabs were in his empire for trade purposes, and those Arabs were not Muslim, he called them to his court in order to ask them about Islam, about the Prophet ﷺ. And the conversation that happened between Abu Sufyan, who was not Muslim at that time, and Hiraqul, this is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari in great detail. So one of the questions that Hiraqul asked Abu Sufyan was that those who accept his faith, meaning the faith of Muhammad ﷺ, do they leave? Do they ever renounce their faith? And Abu Sufyan said, never. And Hiraqul replied, that is the sign of a true faith. That is a sign of a true religion. That is a sign of a true believer. When iman enters the heart, then it does not leave. The Prophet ﷺ said that one of the signs of a person experiencing the sweetness of faith is that when he accepts Islam and then he hates to leave it. And if he is to leave it, he thinks of it as being thrown into the fire. This is how much he hates to leave Islam. So they tried the Ahlul Kitab to mislead Muslims in this manner, but they were not successful. Moreover, they said, وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا when they told each other that, okay, let's do this, let's play this trick, believe and then renounce faith, they further emphasized that, وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا and do not trust إِلَّا لِمَنْ تَبِعَ دِينَكُمْ Except for those who follow your religion. تُؤْمِنُوا is from Iman. What does Iman mean? Belief. But when the word Iman is followed by Li. Okay? تُؤْمِنُوا إِلَّا لِمَنْ Okay? Then it gives the meaning of listening to someone, trusting someone, accepting their order. Okay? Iman bi. Yu'minuna bil ghaybi. That means to believe in something. And iman li is to believe in someone, meaning you follow them. You listen to them. You trust them. So when you trust someone, what will you do? If you trust a person, what will you do? Will you share your secrets with them? Will you? Yes. But somebody whom you don't trust, will you share your secrets with them? Never. So their leaders, they told them that in this matter, meaning of this makr, of this trick that you're going to play, 
pretend conversion and then renunciation of the faith at the end of the day. This whole trick, don't trust anyone with regards to it except the followers of your deen. Meaning, don't go and tell any Muslim about this. When you accept Islam, don't share with any Muslim, with any person outside of your religion, meaning outside of the Jewish faith, that this is only a trick. No, don't let the secret out. Don't let them know about your actual intent. So do not trust anyone except for those who follow your religion. إِلَّا لِمَنْ دِينَكُمْ And why would you tell those who follow your religion that this is only temporary? So that they don't hate you. Right? Because if they went and accepted Islam and they didn't tell their family about the true intent of their accepting Islam, their family would turn against them. Right? Their own people would turn against them. So they said, only tell your own people. Only trust them with regards to this matter. Don't tell anyone else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ Say, إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ Indeed, true guidance is the guidance of Allah. This statement, قُلْ إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ This is, grammatically, you call this jumla مُعْتَرِضَ Because in English, you call this parenthetical sentence. That, in the middle of saying something, you insert another statement. Have you ever done that? All the time. In the middle of saying something, you insert a statement. You know when you put a dash, and then you say something, and you put another dash, and then you continue, right? Or you put something in brackets. Why do you do that? Because it's urgent. It has to be mentioned over there. You cannot wait until the end. Okay? Because if you were to wait until the end, then you would not be able to clarify yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ say إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ That indeed the true guidance is the guidance of Allah. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say this? That guidance is from Allah. And if Allah wishes to guide someone, then that someone will be guided. They can never ever be led astray by the criticism of others, by the mockery of others, by the tricks of others. No, they can never be led astray. So they were playing all of these tricks. But Allah says, true guidance is from Him. You'll be unsuccessful in your trick. Because if Allah wishes to guide someone, you cannot misguide them. إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ And then the sentence continues after. Okay? أَنْ يُؤْتَى أَحَدٌ مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيتُمْ this is a continuation of what the leaders advised their followers. At the beginning, what was said? وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا إِلَّا لِمَنْ دِينَكُمْ Don't trust anyone except for those who follow your religion. In the middle, Allah says, قُلْ إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ And then their statement is continued. أَنْ يُؤْتَى أَحَدٌ مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيتُمْ That don't trust anyone with regards to this trick that you're playing except those who are of your religion. Meaning, don't tell anyone about the secret plan. Why? Un that, meaning lest yu'ta ahadun, someone would be given mithlama utitum, similar to what you have. What is it that you have? Knowledge. Right? Knowledge. If you let out this secret to the Muslims, then they will have knowledge just like you have knowledge. What knowledge will they have? What information will they have? That it's a trick. And that you know the truth. Because who needs to play such a trick? Someone who is aware of the truth. Right? So then they will know for sure that you recognize the Prophet 
you know him, yet you're not accepting him. So they will find out, they will know. And then what will happen once they know? أَوْ يُحَاجُّكُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ Or they will argue before your Lord. Meaning they will argue with you before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What kind of argument? That, oh Allah, these people knew, they recognized the truth, yet they did not accept. So they will have an argument against you. So this is a top secret plan. Don't let anyone find out about this. Because otherwise, they will argue with you in the presence of your Lord and you will have nothing to say. You will have no answer to give. أَوْ يُحَاجُّكُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّكُمْ Now this verse, before I continue, has been interpreted in many different ways. Okay? And I've given you only one meaning. Okay? The meaning that I found the most easiest to understand, to comprehend, and the most relevant to the context of these verses as well. Because in the previous ayah, they were telling each other, let's execute the secret plan, this scheme, this trick, And then they were advising each other that don't let anyone find out about this trick. Because if they do, then you'll be in trouble. Then you'll be in trouble. They will argue with you in the presence of your Lord. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the middle that no matter what trick you play, you cannot misguide someone whom Allah has guided. And then what was the main problem? They didn't want that the prophethood be given to Banu Ismail. That someone who is not of the Banu Israel is made a messenger. That was the main issue. That is from where it started. So Allah says, قُلْ say إِنَّ الْفَضْلَ بِيَدِ Indeed, all bounty is in the hand of Allah. Meaning, He is the one who gives it. He is the one who decides who should be a messenger. You want that the messenger should be from among you, but Allah has another decision. And all fadl is with Him. And just because you have been given something does not mean that somebody else cannot be given the same thing. If prophethood was amongst you for so long, then Allah can also bestow it to others. إِنَّ الْفَضْلَ بِيَدِ اللَّهِ يُؤْتِيهِ مَنْ يَشَاءِ He gives it to whomsoever He wills. وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is vast and He is knowing. وَاسِعٌ وُسْعَةٌ Vast in His attributes. So in His knowledge, in His mercy. In his wisdom, he is vast and he's alim, he's knowing. So in other words, he knows who deserves to be a prophet and who doesn't. He knows and he is vast. You know, we people, we are not wasir. We are very small hearted. That if somebody is wearing the same scarf as we are wearing, we become self-conscious. Right? Somebody once told me that in their school, Two girls ended up in a fight because they were wearing the same shirt the same day. I mean, this is how intolerant people become. Isn't it so? This is how intolerant we become. You know the example that I gave you of children? That how they push each other, they hit each other. Why? Because why is my mom holding him? Why is my mom looking at him? Why is my mom giving any attention to him? You know, children, they become so intolerant. And an innocent baby that cannot even move, I mean, he's attacked or she's attacked. Right? An innocent baby who's done no harm, nothing at all, committed no crime, didn't take any toy, nothing. Just that the mother looked at the baby with a smile on her face and that's it. Those feelings of jealousy, they came. So we people, we are very intolerant, we are very small-hearted. We don't like that if we have something, somebody else should have it too. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is wasir. 
if he can bestow one gift to one individual, he can give the same gift to another individual. He is wasi'un and he is alim. يَخْتَصُ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ He selects for his mercy whomsoever he wills. يَخْتَصُ اِخْتِصَاصِ خَاصِ خَاصَ عَطْصَاد To select, to make exclusive, to favor someone, unique way, that they have been given something that others are not given. Single out. So he singles out بِرَحْمَتِهِ for his special mercy مَنْ يَشَاءُ whomsoever he wills. Meaning from a group of people, Allah can select one individual and give him something that others are not given. Like for example, from all the people who were present at that time, Muhammad was selected and was given prophethood. So whose decision was this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he selects for his mercy whomsoever he wills. And no matter how jealous, no matter how unhappy other people may become, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make a difference because you cannot change the reality. You cannot change the decision that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. Does it ever happen that somebody has something and others don't want him to have it, but they cannot do anything, they're helpless. Somebody is president or somebody has a certain position, whatever, somebody owns something, other people don't want it. They're not happy with that, but too bad. Isn't it? At the end of the day, too bad. You don't like it, you suffer. You're jealous, you're unhappy. But you can't change the reality. So, يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ But at the end, Allah says, وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ Allah is a possessor of great bounty. What does this mean? Why is this mentioned? Allah is possessor of great bounty. Meaning Allah has a lot to give. His treasures are unlimited. If you see someone with something special, don't think, that you can never have anything. No, Allah can also give to you. Now yes, some things are only given to one individual. For example, prophethood. Only one person could be a prophet. Everyone cannot become a prophet. Only one person could be the last messenger. However, there are other things that Allah can give to other people. This is just like Maryam. She was given rizq. Zakariya he was not a woman, right? So what did he ask for? A child. And obviously his wife gave birth to the child. So Allah is vast in his fadl. The point is that if we see that somebody has something, then we should not become jealous. Instead, what should we do? Ask Allah for his bounty. And it doesn't mean that we will be given the exact same thing that the other individual was given. We could be given something different. And that will be better for us. Because at the end of the day, Allah knows and we do not know. This is just like if somebody has a child and you see them having a child and you're like, I want a child too. Can you have their child? No, you can't. But Allah will give you your own. So, يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ So always look to the fadl of Allah. Don't look at what other people have. Because people themselves are faqir, they themselves are poor. And Allah's fadl is unlimited. Look at all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed on people from the beginning till now. So much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to people. Food, wealth, you know, happiness. So many things have happened, so many gifts people have been given. Look at all the treasures Sulaiman was given. Look at all the gifts that Muhammad was given. I mean, endless. So many And yet that does not decrease the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
You know, every time that snow falls, I am amazed at how much water there is up in the skies. You know, it just keeps falling and falling and falling. I heard that in some places there's supposed to be 20 or 30 or 90 centimeters, is it? In Boston, 90 centimeters of snow. I can't even imagine that much snow. Where is it coming from? From the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So His treasures are unlimited. Treasures of rain, treasures of rizq, treasures of money, whatever you want. Allah has unlimited resources. You want something? Beg Him. You like something? Ask Him. But don't become jealous. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا عِبَادِي لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ قَامُوا فِي صَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ فَسَأَلُونِي فَأَعْطَيْتُ كُلُّ إِنسَانٍ مَسْأَلَتَهُ مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا عِنْدِي إِلَّا كَمَا يَنْقُصُ الْمُخِيطِ إِذَا أُدْخِلَ الْبَحْرِ That, oh my servants, were the first of you and the last of you. All people from Adam till the last man. The human of you and the jinn of you. Imagine, every human being and every jinn. If all of you were to rise up in one place and make requests of me, and I were to give to everyone what he requested. Allah was to give to every person what he requested. That would not decrease what I have any more than a needle decreases the sea if put into it. When you put a needle in the sea, how much water will that needle take out? How much? It's so small that you don't even quantify that. You don't even give that a value. It's so small. And if everyone's wish list was fulfilled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Every single person, not just you, but every single person, every single jinn, that would not reduce the treasures of Allah. Allah has so much. But how much do we ask? We look at others, we ask others, we expect from others, we hope from others, but we don't ask Allah. We expect that people should give us We hope that if somebody has become rich, they should gift us something. That if our parents or our husbands or our relatives or our friends, if they are well off, then they should give us something. This is what we want, right? But how much can people give us? How much can they give us? Very, very little. And how much can Allah give us? As much as He wants. So, يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ There is no need to be jealous. The mulk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so great that there is no need to be jealous. And if somebody is jealous of another, he is envious of another, then he is only harming himself. This is why we should make to اللَّهُمَ إِنِّي أَسْأَلُكَ مِنْ فَضْلِكَ الْعَظِيمِ That Allah, I ask you of your great bounty. Let's listen to the recitation. وَدَّ الطَّائِفَةٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَوْ يُضِلُّونَكُمْ وَمَا يُضِلُّونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ لِمَ تَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَشْهَدُونَ 
I was thinking that if a person starts something good and then he discontinues it, is it a means of trial and fitna for others? Yeah? That people think that there must have been something wrong. This is why they stopped. And if they can stop, I can also stop. This is why, what kind of actions does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like? Those actions that may be small but are continuous. Continuous. Continuity. Steadfastness. قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا اسْتِقَامَ That is necessary. So, if a person stops doing something good, then he may be misleading others. Okay? And who will be misled anyway? Those who are weak to begin with. Because those who are firm, they're not misled. Right? Because إِنَّ الْهُدَى هُدَى اللَّهِ If somebody has guided someone, then no matter what other people do, he will not leave the good that he has started. So we should ask Allah for steadfastness, whether other people come along or they don't come along. Let's continue. وَمِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ And from the people of the book, there is man who, meaning there are some from among the people of the book, they are such that in man who, if you were to trust him, ta'man who from Hamza Mimnoon, from the word aman, amanah, amanah is a trust that is given to someone. Right? For example, I give you my pen, my pencil case as an amanah. I say, please keep it until next week. I'll take it from you next week. This is what? An amanah. So, from the people of the book, there are some who, if you were to trust him, biqintarin with a qintar. Remember the word qintar? What does it mean? Treasure. How much? Just a small box? No, heaps and heaps of treasure. Piles and piles. Qintar is accumulated wealth. According to the people of Asham, it was 100 rital. And one rital is two and a half kilograms. So you can say 250 kilograms of gold or silver. According to the people of Asham. This is what a qintar was. 250 kilograms. And it's also used for 
something that is valuable that is stacked upwards okay so you have cash okay how do you stack it how do you put it together how do you keep it together in stacks right so you layer one on top of the other so this is what qintar is so from the people of the book there are some who if you were to trust him with a qintar with a heap of wealth what would he do you adhi ilaik he would pay it back to you when the time comes he would give it back to you he would return it to you and you adhi from hamza dalia ada which is to return so he would give it back to you without any delay without changing the qintar without any naqs without any deficiency no he would give it back to you exactly as it was on time why because of his honesty because of his trustworthiness because of the good morals and values that he has is that so is that so yes you hear many times muslims praising others that oh you know our muslims they're not honest at all they're not reliable at all but non muslims are so reliable they're so trustworthy they're so honest you know they'll tell you story after story right so this is a reality allah subhanahu wa ta'ala acknowledges their honesty their good morals and values women whom but at the same time among them are man who inta man who if you were to trust him bidinar with a single dinar and what is dinar it's an ancient roman gold coin the value of which has differed in different times in different places but you can say it's a small denomination of coin so you're talking about change small change okay so if you were to trust him with a single dinar la yu'addihi ilayk he will not give it back to you he will not return it to you illa except ma dumta as long as you remain dumta from dal wa mim ma dumta as long as you remain alayhi upon him qa'im and standing meaning unless you remain standing on his head demanding persistently not giving up give me my change back give me my one cent back until you keep demanding and very strictly very firmly he will never give it back to you and another meaning of qa'iman is that as long as you remain standing on his head yes he will return to you but the moment you look away the moment you leave him the moment you become ghafil you become slightly negligent you become distracted he will deny after meaning if there is an exchange in hand okay one time transaction and you're standing right there then he will give it back to you but if there is a delay of a day or two then he will never give it back to you illa ma dumta alayhi qa'iman so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about the different types of the people of the book that they're not all the same some are good and some are bad right some are reliable and some are not some are honest and some are dishonest some are trustworthy and others are not is this only with the people of the book no, no. all people are like this you look at any group of people whether they are the followers of a religion or they are people of a country or they are of a particular race whatever you will see both types of people this is a fact so it would be wrong to generalize that oh they're all very honest or they're all very dishonest no it is wrong to generalize it is wrong to have stereotypes about certain groups of people it is incorrect it is unfair because majority of the people may be one way but you still have certain individuals who are different okay 
And based on this, what happens? People mock at others, people mistrust others, people have negative assumptions about others. So this is wrong. We should not develop such kind of beliefs about other people. Always know that they are good and they may also be bad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself acknowledges this. But those who are bad, meaning those who are not trustworthy, those who cheat, those who cheat even with regards to a single dinar, why is it so? What's the reason? ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَالُوا The reason is because they said, لَيْسَ عَلَيْنَا فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ سَبِيلٍ لَيْسَ عَلَيْنَا It is not against us, it is not upon us, meaning we are not going to be responsible for. فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ Concerning the ummiyin, plural of ummi, and who is ummi? Unlettered, meaning someone who was not given a scripture by God. So in other words, those who are other than the people of the book. The non-Jewish people. Okay? So who are they? Is there a term used for them? Non-Jewish people. Is there a term used for them? Does anyone know? What term do they use for people who are not Jewish? So for example, we say to people who are not Muslim, what word do we use? Non-Muslim. Or we say kafir. Now, it's of different types, right? Okay? I mean, one person could be from the Ahlul Kitab, another person could be Mushrik, whatever. But what's the term that is used for people who are not Muslim? Non-Muslim or kafir in the Arabic language. And by the way, calling someone a kafir is not an insult. It's just a description that someone who disbelieves. That's it. Meaning someone who does not believe in Muhammad ﷺ in Islam. So what's the term that they used for people who were not Jewish? Gentiles. Okay? And there are other words as well. So anyway, they said that with regard to the ummiyin, we are not responsible. لَيْسَ عَلَيْنَا فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ سَبِيلٍ What does sabil mean? Way. Meaning, and the word sabil is used in a number of different ways. Over here it means any way to be blamed, any way to be sinful. So in other words, we will not be held responsible. We are not guilty. We are not <laughs> sinful in what we do with the ummiyin. If we cheat them, if we kill them, if we hurt them, if we treat them badly, it's okay. We are not going to be considered sinful. Allah will not call us to account. وَيَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ Allah says they say a lie about Allah. That Allah has allowed us to treat other people however we want. We will not be held responsible. No, this is a lie that they're attributing to Allah. وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ And they know. Meaning they're knowingly, willfully, deliberately doing this. So what was their belief? That we just have to be good towards our own community. We have no responsibility over other people. Whether we do good or we do bad. And whose name did they use to justify their wrong ways? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name that He has allowed us. Whereas Allah never gave them that permission. Allah never gave them such a command. These crimes they had made halal upon themselves. Out of their own desires. Now what is this? Having double standards. Treating your own people one way and treating other people in a different way. Double standards. And is this something that only the people of the book did at that time? Or is it something that only the people of the book did? Who does this as well? We Muslims do that. When some people think, oh, you know this store, it belongs to a kafir. Go steal, go eat whatever you want. This grocery store doesn't belong to a Muslim, so I'll eat the grapes and I'll eat whatever I feel like and I'll steal whatever, I'll take whatever. 
Allah is not going to question us. He's a kafir anyway. It's going to hellfire this person. So who cares? Or they think, it's okay. Don't follow the traffic laws. Why? Because this is not sharia. Literally, I have witnessed someone who was taking a wrong turn at the wrong time and somebody told them not to do that and they said, we only have to follow Allah's commands. I'm like, Allah has also commanded you to follow the law of the land, right? I mean, to be careful. So we see that we have developed such kind of double standards as well. And we are only concerned about our community. When it comes to the food bank, for example, we are asked that who does this food go to? Is it only Muslims who are fed? Or do you even feed non-Muslims? Don't feed non-Muslims, only feed Muslims. Is it okay to give charity to the hungry non-Muslim? Why? Are they not human beings? Of course they are. Are they not needy? Yes, they are. And Allah will not just question you about whether you helped other Muslims. Allah will also question you about whether you helped people in need, regardless of their faith. So, because in the Quran we are told, وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا And أَسِيرَ is prisoner, and you would not hold a Muslim prisoner at that time. Right? So anyway, they had such double standards. A man once asked Ibn Abbas that during battle we capture some property belonging to Ahlul Dhimma. Ahlul Dhimma were the Jews and Christians living in Muslim lands. Such as, you know, their chickens or their sheep. Ibn Abbas said, what do you do in this case? The man said, we say that there is no sin if we take it. If it belongs to a Muslim, we will say this is theft. But if it belongs to Ahlul Dhimma, we say, no big deal, we can take it because we won't be held responsible. He said, that is what the people of the book said. لَيْسَ عَلَيْنَا فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ سَبِيلٍ and he said that it is not allowed for you to take that. So it was happening at that time even. That unfortunately we think that we can treat other people however we want. Now, just to give you an example, it is mentioned in the Talmud. I don't know how to pronounce the names of the chapters. I'm just going to mention the numbers, 57a. It is said that a Jew need not pay a Gentile the wages owed him for work. Another statement is that if an ox of an Israeli gores an ox of a Canaanite, there is no liability. But if an ox of a Canaanite gores an ox of an Israeli, the payment is to be in full. Then another statement is that if a Jew finds an object lost by a Gentile, it does not have to be returned. Is that what we think? Then they said that God will not spare a Jew who marries his daughter to an old man or takes a wife for his infant son or returns a lost article to a Gentile. Another statement, what a Jew steals from a Gentile, he may keep. So these are statements that are mentioned in the Talmud. And this doesn't seem strange to me, unfortunately, because these are the kind of beliefs that we Muslims have developed. That treat kuffar however you want, you know, make an appointment, don't show up and say, oh, non-Muslim anyway, I'm not required to fulfill my commitment with them. Right? Lie to a non-Muslim teacher, disrespect a non-Muslim professor, don't care about a non-Muslim boss, don't care about the workplace. I mean, what kind of ethics and values have we developed? Right? So we have to look at ourselves that what are we doing? They said, لَيْسَ عَلَيْنَا فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ سَبِيلٍ Allah says they are lying about Allah. And they know. They know. They're knowingly, deliberately doing this. Allah says, Bala. No. They will be held responsible. If someone is unfair to another individual, he will be held responsible. Zulm. 
Zul is something that Allah will question people for. Allah will hold them accountable for. So if somebody treats a non-Muslim unjustly, saying that, oh, they're a non-Muslim, who cares? No, they will be held responsible. Allah says, Bala, man awfa bi'ahdihi wattaqa. The one who fulfills his promise, awfa, from wafa, he who fulfills his promise, wattaqa, and he fears Allah. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ Then Allah loves the people who have taqwa. Two things are mentioned over here. Fulfilling the promise and taqwa. Which promise? Whether the promise is made with Allah or it is made with people. And moreover, taqwa. What taqwa? Because taqwa is something that helps a person fulfill his commitments, fulfill his promises, fulfill his amana. Then, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ Allah loves those people who have taqwa. And the people of taqwa, what do they do? They fulfill their trusts. So, in these ayahs, we see that there are two kinds of Ahlul Kitab. Allah does not generalize. We should also not generalize. Then at the same time, we also learn that we should not develop such a mentality where we think that we are better, we are better, and because of that, we discriminate against others. Yes, we should feel proud of the fact that Allah has given us the haqq, that Allah has given us the truth, Allah has shown us the way to the right guidance. We should be happy about that. But it doesn't mean that we look down on others and we mistreat them. And we think we can treat them however we want to. No, this is incorrect. This is unfair. You know, the Ahlul Kitab, they had a lot of ujd. They were very impressed by themselves, very proud of who they were. And likewise, unfortunately, we have developed such thoughts about ourselves too. And this is not right. Yes, you should be happy, grateful for the favor of Allah, but it doesn't mean that we become unjust with others. Then we also learn in this ayah about the fact that Allah loves the people of taqwa. And the people of taqwa are those who fulfill their promises. We learned that who does khiyana? The munafiq, the hypocrite. And such people Allah does not like. Who does Allah like? Those who fulfill their promises. And those who do not fulfill their promises, Allah says about them that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَشْتَرُونَ بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ Those people who barter with the covenant of Allah. Meaning they give it up. A covenant that they had made with Allah. A promise. وَأَيْمَانِهِمْ And their oaths. Ayman is a plural of yameen. Yameen is an oath. And they sell it for what? Samanan qalilan For a small price. Meaning, for some worldly benefit, they break the promise of Allah or the promise that they have made with people. And the promise that they have made with people, why would it be called promise with Allah? Because Allah has commanded us to fulfill such promises. So, what do they do? They break the promises that they have made and secondly they swear false oaths. That by Allah, I never took a loan from you. By Allah, you only gave me one penny. By Allah, you know, swearing, falsehood. Why? For samanan qalilan, for a worldly benefit. And that benefit is how much? Qalil, very little. Allah says, Ula'ika, such people, la khalaqa lahum. They will have no share fil akhirah in the hereafter. Khalaq is from the root letters khala and qaf. Same root as khuluq. Khuluq is the manner of a person. And khalaq is the share of a person. The share that he gets. It is said that khalaq is the share that a person gets because of his khuluq. Okay? It happens that people treat you a particular way or they give you something. Why? Because of the way you are. If somebody really likes the way you treat them, then how will they treat you? In a good way. That's your khalaq. 
Okay? And if somebody doesn't treat us good because of the way we treat them, then that is our khalaq. So khalaq is what a person gets, the share that he gets because of his khuluq. So such people will have no khalaq fil akhirah in the hereafter. Who? Who will have no share of goodness in the hereafter? Which people? Those who break their promises for worldly gain and those who swear false oaths for worldly gain. Moreover, وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will not even speak to them. وَلَا يَنظُرُ إِلَيْهِمْ He will not even look at them. When? يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the day of judgment. If somebody doesn't talk to us, doesn't even look at us, what does it mean? Are they happy with us? No, they're angry. So Allah will be very angry with such people, so much so that He will not even speak to them, nor will He look at them. وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ nor will he purify them. وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ And instead there will be a painful punishment for them. So we have to become very careful that for worldly benefit, do we ever say false statements? That we say, oh, this is a non-Muslim country, so yeah, go to court. Yes, it was your mistake, but you know, say that it wasn't your mistake. And if they make you swear by the Qur'an, even do that, because you're swearing before a non-Muslim judge, so you can say whatever, do whatever. Is this what we should do? No. But unfortunately, this is what Muslims have been doing. This is what we do here. But the thing is, that when it comes to promises, when it comes to commitments, then, إِنَّ الْعَهْدَ كَانَ مَسْغُولًا The ahd, Allah will question us about it. Yes, we are dealing with people. But who will question us? Allah will question us. Whether those people we're dealing with are Muslim or not Muslim. And indirectly, in this verse, is also a warning to who? To the Bani Israel, to the Ahlul Kitab. Because what were they doing? They were saying false statements. Why? In order to cover up the truth. They were breaking the covenant that they had made with Allah of believing in the final messenger, of supporting him. Why? Because of some worldly gain. And what was that worldly gain? What was that worldly gain? Their leadership. Right? The honor that they enjoyed. So that was a worldly gain that they wanted. So indirectly Allah is warning them that you're breaking your promise with Allah. And for such people, there is no reward in the hereafter. Allah will be angry with them. He will not purify them. And there will be a severe, a painful punishment for them. So may Allah protect us from that. And we should really take our commitments seriously. Our promises. All of them. Whether it is an appointment with a dentist, or commitment with a person in school. It happens that in school a group of people have to work together on a project. And who doesn't show up typically? Hmm? Who doesn't show up? Who doesn't do their job? Many times it is us. Which is why people don't trust us. So we need to fix our actions, not because of other people, but because we are answerable to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the recitation. وَمِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ إِنْ تَأْمَنْهُ بِقِنْطَارٍ يُؤَدِّهِ إِلَيْكَ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ إِنْ تَأْمَنْهُ بِدِينَارٍ لَا يُؤَدِّهِ إِلَيْكَ إِلَّا مَا دُمْتَ عَلَيْهِ قَائِمًا ذلك بأنهم قالوا ليس علينا في الأميين سبيل ويقولون على الله الكذب وهم يعلمون بلى من أوفى بعهده واتقى فإن 